This is Chad Harrison, and you're listening to Hope Alive, applying God's word to your daily life. Hi, this is Chad Harrison, and I am the teaching pastor of Lake Community Church and have been serving as a pastor for 25 years. I'm also a practicing attorney. This podcast is designed to help you study God's word and find God's will for your life. I pray in the name of Jesus right now that God would open up his word to you and allow you to see him and to know him and to know his will, that you might glorify him and that you might walk in faith and power each and every day, especially today in Jesus' name. Good morning. Welcome to Lake Community Church's morning Bible study. It's good to be with you this morning. We're enjoying a good week through Genesis chapter 11. We are moving on ahead in Genesis chapter 11, and and we're hitting one of those passages that oftentimes derail a Bible study. They derail a Bible study because it's what we call a genealogy. And I want to remind you, because it is important that you understand why there are these genealogies in the Bible. One of the things that, that, one of the reasons there's genealogy in the Bible, and one of the important reasons, is a self-proving affidavit. And what I mean by that, it's telling you all the names of the people all the way back to Adam. Now, can we prove that right now geologically or archaeologically, or can we go through, can we go through and find uh, something out there that is written that uh, that explains that or tells us that all these people were alive. No, we can't do that. But but that being said, we can prove many of these people. We can show in history that many of these people existed, that many of these people had cities or towns or areas or regions of the world that were named after them. And so in the historical record, There are accounts of these names and these people all over the place. The second most important reason is that that it's to prove that the bloodlines of man have remained clean and that God's purposes and his will are being carried out and that, that we come from the line of Noah and Noah came from Adam. Now, the third reason is probably the most important reason, and that reason is to uh, prove or prove that the covenants of God continue on. Remember, there are five covenants in the Old Testament that are very important. The Adamic covenant, the Noadic covenant, the Mosaic covenant, the Abrahamic covenant, the Mosaic covenant, and then the Davidic covenant. And uh, those are obviously named after the five men in which the covenants were made to. The covenant with Adam and Eve is a covenant that God is, even though they have sinned, that God is going to redeem them from that sin. And in, in that covenant, he says, that that the heel of the woman uh, or her seed will crush the serpent's head, the one who's got them into that position. So we've obviously got to tie God's fix to the problem to the seed of woman or to, we got to tie it back to Eve and Adam. And that's important. And then obviously the Noahic covenant, it's important that we know the lines all the way down from Noah to Jesus because Noah's covenant is that is a covenant that he's not going to destroy the earth. And it's a covenant that he's going to eventually bring about redemption through, not through God dealing with sin, but redemption through God, God providing hope, life through a redeemer. And understanding that and understanding the Noahic covenant that God made with them and that they're going to be a savior or one who saves them from the morass or the depths of the pain of this world is important. 
And then we're going we're gonna to down the line, and we're not too far from it. We're going to deal with the Abrahamic covenant. That's the covenant that, that God is going to work uh, through man's faith and that it's possible for man to trust God and to walk with God, even though he is mired in and uh, lives in this world of sin. And then the Mosaic covenant is the covenant of the law, and that is the covenant of God's character and his nature, and that God is going to show us through his character and his nature, he's going to bring about a person who embodies his full character and nature, who is the embodiment of the law, the fulfillment of the law, but also is full of grace and mercy. And then obviously the Davidic covenant is 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 the covenant with David, where he says in his line, as you go down David's line, there's going to be a savior. There's going to be one who comes who ultimately deals with a man and deals with humanity, and he's going to sit on David's throne. He's going to be a direct descendant of David. It's important that know that. It's important that we understand that. And so many times I tell people, you got to hear God's word, you got to receive God's word, you got to believe God's word, and then you got to act upon God's word. You got to speak it, you got to act upon it, it's got to become a part of your life. I want you to know that when we're studying God's word, I want you to know that when we're sitting down talking about God's word, we're not talking about some story that's not true. We're talking about something that that we're talking about something that has been go- going on for thousands of years that God millennia past has been planning this and that you can trust God's word because not only is it true in the past it's relevant for you today it's got a purpose God's been working that purpose out throughout creation throughout humanity and as he's been working that that issue out for you, as he's been bringing about that issue for you, you can trust it. It is relevant for you today. What God's got to say to you is important and relevant for the times we live in. And when we get to Genesis chapter 11, verse 10, it says, this is the count of Shem's family. And you got to remember, um, the Jews are called Semites in the Bible. And, and you'll hear people use the word Semite. And sometimes you'll use, especially in the modern times we live in, sometimes you'll hear people use that word pejoratively or negatively, and they'll attack people. You saying, "Well, he's just a... that." Actually, comes from the name Shem. It's 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 the line that that Abraham came from. Abraham was a Semite, and that's going to be important down the line for you to see that. But but he was from the line of Shem. He wasn't from Ham. He wasn't from Japheth. He was a Semite. And it says, it says, this is the count of Shem's family. Two years after the flood, when Shem was a hundred years old, so after the flood, there weren't any children on the ark. After the flood, when he was a hundred years old, he became the father of Arphax. And after he became the father of Arphax, Shem lived 500 years and had other sons and daughters. I want you to notice that he lives 500 years after God said that man's only going to live 120 years. So there has to be, it's not just like a proclamation which just cuts off man. Something has happened in the environment, and I believe that we have access to the rays of the sun, to the negative effects of radiation from the sun because of the loss of the water shield. I believe that causes, causes man, his life span to quickly decrease over time. And and and, and most of the people most of the time when you talk to people, they don't really understand that most of our illnesses, most of our most of our immunities that that we would naturally have to to some of the things that are out there are destroyed by the radiation of the sun. And uh, that starts the day you're born because and that first 20 years of your life, your at your childhood and your adolescence 
are very important because that's when your body's growing. That's when your body's becoming. That's when your body is taking its its, its permanent form. And when that's going on um, and you're having all this radiation hit it, there is a negative effect. It limits lifespan. It it uh, lowers lifespan and it causes us to be in a position where we're, where we're less than we were meant to be in the original. It says after he became the father of Aphax, Shem lived 500 years and had other sons and daughters. Now notice, we have a change here. And if you'll go back to, to the other genealogies on back in the book of Genesis, you're going to notice that men had their first children at 100 and 200 and 300 years old. All of a sudden, there is a huge shift in when men are beginning to have families. And that happens right here. It goes from starting to have your first children after the age of 100 down to 35. And it says, when Arfax had lived 35 years, he became the father of Shelah. And after he became the father of Shelah, Arfax, only, he only lived 403 years. I want you to notice that. He only lived 403 years. And so it says, and he had other sons and daughters. Now, Shelah, he lived 30 years, and he became the father of Eber. Notice, all of a sudden, we're, there we are again. We're dropping, and we're going we're gonna to drop right there, and we're going to be in the 30 to 35 to 40-year range for your first child. And Eber became the father of, Sheila became the father of Eber. And then Sheila lived four and three years and had other sons and daughters. He lives the same amount of time as his father. And then when Eber had lived 34 years, he became the father of Peleg. And after he became the father of Peleg, Eber lived 430 years and had other sons and daughters. And when Peleg had lived 30 years, he became the father of, of Ru. And after he became the father of Ruth, Peleg lived, and notice he only lives 209 years. Notice the effect of that radiation, the effect of on, 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 on the body, the effect on the DNA and the RNA structures is beginning to have its effect and it's beginning to limit the lifespan of humanity. And, and so he only lives 209 years. And then when Ruth had lived 32 years, he became the father of Sarah. And after he became the father of Sarah, Ru lived 207 years. We're, we're continually, we've dropped from now 400, 500 down from 400 down to 200 years. <clears throat> and when Sarah had lived 30 years, notice they're still having children and in that young adult area, not super young, but young adult area. And he says, after he became the father of uh, Nahor, Sarah lived 200 years and had other sons and daughters. And when Nahor had lived 29 years, now we finally have one in the 20s. He became the father of Terah. And after he became the father of Terah, notice, notice, Nahor only lived 119 years. He only lived 119 years. And he had other sons and daughters. And after Terah had lived 70 years, now he became the father of Abraham, Nahor, and Haran. And we don't know when he had the first one. But apparently he had children on up into 70 years old. And he had his three, those three children at that time. And notice the family is getting smaller too. The family's getting smaller and he's only got three. All the others had, had other sons and daughters, many of them. Now he's only had three and he's only, he's lived to 70 years. This is going to be important for Abraham because Abraham's not going to have children until he's a hundred years old. And historically speaking, as far as Abraham's past is concerned, that would not be a big deal. It's not a big problem. In fact, most of his ancestors, his great-grandparents, that was common for them not to have children to 100. But I want you to notice, notice in the times Abraham lived in, in the times he was born in, that wasn't the case. 
In fact, if you'd lived before the flood, you might be living at the same time that your great-grandfather lived. You might be alive at the same time he was alive. But now that's not the case. Abraham, Abraham's great-grandfather, Sarah, his grandfather, Sarah, was probably alive. And maybe his, his father, maybe he knew his grand, great-grandfather, Ruth, but he didn't know his great-grandfather, Peleg, probably, his great-grandfather. And understanding that he now is, when he gets to 100 years old, he thinks his time has passed. His perception of things uh, is not the same as the perception of the people that came before him hundreds of years before him. Now, why do I say that? Because oftentimes we live in the times we live in, and sure enough, with the internet and with TV and with the local nightly news, oftentimes our perception of how things are and how things are going is so limited. And our teachings of history and our ability to retain and understand what's going on in history is it's very low. And a lot of people, a lot of people get panicked and a lot of people have their lives turned upside down. And a lot of people get all enthralled in the momentary events of the hour rather than trusting in the eternal God who, who is the maker of time and space. And, and we begin to think of things in a way that is, is, is not, it's not true. It's not, um, it's not the way God has made things to be. And we panic that that life is about to be totally turned upside down and we allow we allow those who could would control us by fear to have their full effect on us because we allow them to tell us things without the proper perspective and uh, and the proper perspective first of all is a proper historic per per perspective but easy for me to say but it's not only that most of all not first of all but most of all we don't have a proper biblical perspective. We don't see things from the from the proper biblical way of looking at things. We look out at the world and we don't see it through God's eyes. We see it through our own eyes. And let me tell you something, that is a painful view of the world. If you're going to look at the world from your own perspective and through your own eyes, you're always going to be disappointed. You're always going to be let down. You're always going to be you're always going to be suffering from depression, and you're always going to be hopeless and hapless, and life is always going to be less than the way God has it for you to be. But when you see things from God's perspective, when you take on an eternal view of things, when you look at things the way God sees them, and when you see life from His point of view, what things all of a sudden look up, things all of a sudden seem better than than what you thought they would be. Things always seem to be hopeful, and each day bring, brings about new mercies and new faith and new joy that uh, you didn't have yesterday. But a lack of that perspective limits you. And when we get to these passages, especially this passage that is this long, and it is a long, this long genealogy that covers 15 verses of Scripture, you can also, you can lose your perspective. You can lose your grip on reality. You can begin to look around and see things and begin to surmise that God's not in control and that we're being led along a path by a group of people that we don't trust or don't know and can't see. And then all of a sudden, fear and panic take over and you start making decisions about life and decisions about your future based off of the fear that has been pushed down to you by those who would want to control you by that fear. But we don't have to do that. We don't have to do that. We can trust in a God who has planned this out, and he has told you how it works. He's put it in place, and he's told you how things are going to work. 
and he has said to you, I'm in charge. Trust me. I'm in charge. Follow me. I'm in charge. Listen to what I have to say. And when we live our lives that way, there is uh, hope. There is purpose. There is direction. Are people always going to be in pain and suffering? Yes. Are there always going to be troubles in this world? Jesus said so. He said, in this world, you will have trouble. But do not fear. What does he say? I have overcome the world. He's overcome these things. And we live with an overcomer living inside of us. And we need to take on that perspective. And we need to see things that way. And we need to walk in the things that way so that we might walk in its full power and have its full effect. And I look at these this long genealogy and I see the days of man growing shorter and shorter. But I also to see the word of God becoming truer and truer. It's more and more true every day when I see it from his perspective. Now you say, God's word's always been true. Yeah, but it ain't been true to me because I didn't know it that way. But I do today, and you should also. And I hope that you'll go through the day. I know many watch this video throughout the day. I hope you'll go through the day, and you will see that God's got purpose and meaning for everything that's going on around you. And uh, he's been planning it for a long time. As you go today, I pray that the Lord will bless you and keep you, that he'll make his face to shine upon you, and that he will give you hope and peace today in Jesus' name.